Welcome back to another Adam Schefter podcast. And the season is upon us. And to get started for the 2023 NFL regular season, we are going to be joined by the voices of Monday Night Football, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. This will be their 22nd year together in the booth, which I believe, if my math is correct, breaks the record that Pat Summerall and John Madden set as the longest tenured broadcasting tandem in history. And it'll be their second season with ESPN's Monday Night Football. They'll be calling the Jets-Bills game on September 11th in what will be Aaron Rodgers' Jets debut. Troy Aikman, of course, won three Super Bowl titles as the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And he tells an interesting story about a place he almost finished his NFL career before being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2006. Joe Buck entered the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2020 with the Pete Rozelle Radio Television Award. And they will be here to preview the incredible Monday night matchup that ESPN has, as well as the upcoming Tom Brady-less NFL season. And with that, let's start with the first six-pack of the regular season. And the place we're going to start with item number one is the unbelievable amount of unresolved contractual situations there are in the NFL heading into the open weekend. Now, there are always some, but as we record this early Tuesday morning, we're still waiting for new deals for Nick Bosa, who's a holdout in San Francisco, Chris Jones, who's a holdout in Kansas City, Brian Burns, who is a hold-in in Carolina after the Rams offered multiple first-round draft picks for him last year, and then Chicago was interested in acquiring him for the number one overall pick this past offseason before Carolina said no to all offers, and now they have to pay Brian Burns, not to mention the contractual situations with the Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, the Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, the Buccaneers wide receiver, T. Higgins, the Bengals wide receiver, Hassan Reddick in Philly. Everybody wants a new deal, and I'm guessing that there will be some sort of rush right before the regular season begins this Sunday to get some of these deals done. Although, there was a huge rush right before training camp happened, and I don't recall the last time we saw that many deals get done right before the start of training camp. Yet still, there are all these unresolved issues, and they now threaten to mar opening day. We don't know whether Chris Jones is going to play Thursday night against Detroit at the time of this recording, early Tuesday morning. It doesn't seem like that will be the case. It seems like he's going to miss that game. It seems like there's a chance Nick Bosa is going to miss his game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And who knows what's going to happen with Brian Burns in the Panthers' debut against the Atlanta Falcons. So a lot of unresolved contractual situations that we will be tracking as the week develops. Item number two, an item from last week that still warrants attention this week, Jonathan Taylor. On the physically unable to perform list, the Colts will not have his services for four weeks. And I can't believe the number of questions I've got from people asking about Jonathan Taylor and whether they should draft him in fantasy. And I guess my feeling is no, no, he's going to miss the first four weeks. And if Indianapolis can trade him then, which it couldn't do now in talking to Miami, Green Bay, others, then Jonathan Taylor becomes a huge fantasy asset and a huge asset for the team that acquires him. But Indianapolis wants a lot back for Jonathan Taylor, was asking for multiple picks, big-time compensation, didn't get it, and so they're sitting on Jonathan Taylor, and it looks like they're content to do that, though the next window to trade him will be before the NFL's October 31st trade deadline. We'll see if anything happens there. Which brings us to item number three in the six-pack, another potential trade candidate before that deadline, depending on how the Buccaneers season goes, Mike Evans. Now, right now, the Buccaneers have no interest in trading Mike Evans. He has imposed a September 9th deadline for a new deal. And if he doesn't get that new deal by September 9th, he says he'll be leaving Tampa after the season to move on because they're not going to use the franchise tag on him. So if the Buccaneers don't get out to a strong start, 
And if they're not winning football games, then wouldn't they want to get something back from Mike Evans before the trade deadline? His will be a name to watch before October 31st, just as Jonathan Taylor's will be a name to watch before October 31st as well. Item number four on this week's six-pack. Did anybody watch college football this weekend? The amount of remarkable young college quarterbacks there are was off the charts. Now, I'm not a huge college football watcher. I pay attention to it when I have to before the NFL draft, talking to NFL personnel men about the players in the draft and their prospects. But I couldn't help but notice the incredible amount of great young quarterbacks that there are across the country. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Michael Penix Jr., Shador Sanders, Jordan Travis, J.J. McCarthy, Jalen Milrow, Quinn Ewers, Sam Hartman, Bo Nix, Drew Aller, Spencer Rattler. There are an unbelievable amount of quarterbacks. And I don't know what's happened, but I don't know if there's been a time where there have been this many intriguing young NFL caliber quarterbacks playing at the college level. It's going to be really fun to track them during this upcoming season. I think we're in something of a golden age of college quarterbacks for whatever reason. Maybe it's the spread offenses. Maybe it's the fact that players are throwing the football more. Maybe it's the athleticism of these guys. Whatever it is, I think there's some pressure on some of these middlemen NFL quarterbacks because if they don't perform this year and they don't step up, they're going to be replaced by some of these great college quarterbacks who come who are coming along. And there are a lot of them, a lot. And it's going to be fun to track and chart them as the season goes on. And then, of course, talk about them leading into the upcoming April NFL draft, which brings us to item number five on the six-pack, Deion Sanders. Guy has 87 newcomers on his team this year, 68 scholarship players, new scholarship players, 58 transfers, only three returning starters from a one-win team from last year, and they go in to TCU and win on the road. Now, again, I covered Colorado when I first got to Colorado in 1990, covered the CU team that won the national championship. Always liked being around that school, that program. But I put on the game on Saturday just out of curiosity to see how Deion Sanders would fare. And once I put it on, I couldn't shut it off. I was riveted to that game. And what I saw from Shador Sanders, Deion's son, the quarterback of CU, and Travis Hunter, who is a modern-day Deion Sanders, was incredible. To the point where I watched the game, the whole game, and I can't wait to watch CU play against Nebraska now this weekend. It looks like Dion has transformed that program. CU after one week was the most exciting story in college football. And so there are two things that just stood out to me about this past weekend with college football, the amount of quarterbacks and CU. And those are two of the items on this week's six pack, which brings us to item number six, Aaron Rodgers, who will be the focus, of course, of Monday Night Football when the Jets host the Bills this Monday night when Joe Buck and Troy Aikman called that game. Last week, he sat down with a group of reporters and ended his press conference with a quote that was telling on so many levels. And I'm going to read you the quote word for word. This is Aaron Rodgers to reporters last week. I told a friend, this has felt like waking up inside of a dream, this whole experience, a beautiful dream. So many times you have a great dream and you wake up And you think, I just want to get back into that, but I can't quite get back into that dream. I've woken up inside of that dream, and it's been really, really special. There's a lot of times, I've said it before and I'll say it again, where I just look around and say, this is my life now. How cool is this? It happens in the locker room. It happens walking out. And it's just the fresh air and sun setting. It's just thinking what an awesome day it was because of whatever. It was a conversation I had with Makai Becton, getting to see Billy Turner and catch up with him, a play that happened that was really fun that we talked about and wanted to happen, or we're driving to the city, and you hit that spot before you go in the tunnel, and you're looking across to the city going, how cool is my life now? I just try to keep that perspective every day here, and it's been easy because one thing has happened almost every single day that just reminds me I'm in the right place 
I'm where I'm supposed to be, and I'm really just loving what this opportunity has given me. Every day I'm thinking, and I won't say it out loud, but I'll sit back with the guys in that room, take a second sometimes, and say, how cool is this? That quote from Aaron Rodgers tells you so much. That tells you how invigorated he feels to be in a new place. That tells you how much he has loved being in New York City. He is spotted out and about everywhere. Just this week, spotted with Randall Cobb and C.J. Uzama at the U.S. Open, watching Djokovic play in his match. And he's going to these Broadway shows all the time. And Hard Knocks has given us a look at some of this, but you can just tell. Here's a guy who was ready to retire when he walked off the field in Lambeau Field, arm-in-arm with Randall Cobb, at the end of last season, and now is talking about playing a few seasons, a few seasons in New York. This fresh start, this new life, this different organization has totally invigorated him to the point where he is so excited to come to work, and it's so obvious, and I think that that happiness has a real chance to show up in his play this year, which starts on Monday night. We'll see how that goes, which brings us to the great Joe Buck and Troy Aikman embarking on their historic 22nd season for a Monday night matchup that should be spectacular. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman. 22 years for you, gentlemen. Would you have thought it would be that long? Can you imagine that it's that long? What does it feel like to be entering your 22nd season together? Well, I'll I'll take it first. I I never thought we would last 22 years not for any reason other than the tv business is so weird and and it's so uh i think flighty at times where you don't know you know who's going to get the rights i mean when when fox came out of the sky in 1994 i never thought i'd be doing any nfl games period let alone working with a hall of famer and and a close great best friend like troy and I mean, 22 years sounds longer than it feels. I can tell you that. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but uh, that's a generation's worth of time. And uh, I, I know I'm proud of it, and I, I know Troy is too. Troy, how many years did you play quarterback for? I'm going to guess 12. 12, yeah. I passed that one a long time ago in broadcasting, which which makes me feel very old. You know, when yeah. I started, Adam, I really thought I'd do it for a couple of years until I figured out what I was going to do. And my second year is when I got partnered with Joe. And then Chris Collinsworth was a part of that, uh, and it was really great. I learned a lot, but to to think that to think that we would be together all this time later, uh, especially to, to still be together with with another network, is pretty incredible. I, I think it's something that we both take a lot of pride in. And, and like Joe said, we're just we're great friends. Uh, we have great respect for one another. We have a lot of fun when we're together, and it's been uh, it's been amazing. And never, uh, I mean, like he said, I I. I do not feel like it's been 22 years. It's 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 flown by. Well, I was going to say the 12 in football. You're almost double now as a broadcaster. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, I mean, I remember when I got into playing, I thought if I could make it in the business as a player for 10 years, you know, what a great milestone that would be. And you know, now 12 years is is a cup of coffee compared to how long these guys are playing now in broadcasting. Like Joe said, I think that. You know, where I came into the league as a number one overall pick and, and you know, obviously we had some successes, but uh, you, you get a long runway. And I, and I don't think that that's the case in broadcasting. And so for us to be, uh, you know, the lead team uh, for a, a network doing the NFL games for as long as we've done it, uh, I don't want to say it's an upset. It, it might be for me. It's not for Joe. But uh, I, I think there's some, that's something to be really proud of. Now, as the lead team, you guys typically are going to get plum matchups. Can you think back, and obviously this feels so fresh right now, but has there ever been a matchup that's any more appealing than this opening Monday night game between Buffalo and the Jets, DeMar Hamlin back on the field, Aaron Rodgers' first game as a Jet, the Cook brothers, Dalvin in New York, James in Buffalo, on 9-11 in New York. Has there been a game that you've had as an opener that you've anticipated more or had more storylines that you can remember? I mean, I'll go, I, no, is the answer for me. And, and you're right. I mean, everybody, you, you get caught up in what's fresh, what's new, and this is 2023. And I know that Detroit, I can't wait to get going. Um, and I'm tired of sitting around and tired of 
reading clips. I want to go do games. And uh, you're right. I mean, everywhere you look in this game, there's a storyline. And then there's also a game. I mean, there are storylines, like you said, whether it's Aaron or DeMar or the Cook brothers or what the expectations are for the Jets or what they are for a Bills team that's that's ready, it feels like, and, and hoping to take that next step. And and then you have to weigh all of all of the note taking and all of the storyline prep and all that other stuff and pick and choose what feels right at the right time because we're actually covering handoffs for four yards and completions for 15 yards and you've got to mix all that together so it's why i'm glad we've got a long pregame show there's a lot of that stuff that'll be covered there we will get into i think what what can be applied to the actual play-by-play and the storylines of the game but at the end of the day the game's got to win the battle there and and we've got to cover the game as much as you know as we sit here at the end of august the beginning of September, uh, the storylines are, are what's the most important. But once they kick that thing off, it's going to be who's winning and why and who's losing and why, and, and that's what we're there to cover that night. I think uh, what Joe says is is something that, that I think if you talked about what, what maybe we feel our strength is, is that you know we don't go into a game with a preconceived idea as to how it's going to be played out. We don't try to cram storylines in just for the sake of doing it. Uh, we we don't go in saying, okay, these are the things we're going to hit. Uh, we're prepared for it, but but we do it in and around the game. And people uh, like us, Joe said, how he's so excited and ready to stop reading clips and start calling games. We, you know, he he shares the same sentiments as all football fans, they've been sitting around all off season. They're ready to, they're ready to watch football and they know the storylines just like we do. And there's a lot to cover. I think what makes this one unique because every, every year week one is a, is, is a big week. Everyone's excited. Every fan base is excited. They think that's going to be their year, but we come into this game, you know, with, with everything that we already know uh, and Aaron Rodgers being there the first time for people to get a chance to see him uh, in a regular season game but it's also a matchup that we fully expect that it could have playoff ramifications when it's all said and done. Here we are week one when we get through the season and what it might look like in January. If it doesn't, then I, I think it's fair to say that one or both of these teams didn't have the year that they had hoped to have. Troy, we've seen Peyton Manning go from Indy to Denver, win a Super Bowl. We've seen Tom Brady go from New England to Tampa, win a Super Bowl. What are your expectations for Aaron Rodgers with the Jets? Well, the expectations that, that are placed on him uh, are, are no different than what they really were for him when he was in Green Bay. And even though the Jets uh, haven't, haven't had a lot to be excited about over the years, they clearly right now uh, are, are in that race to get to the Super Bowl. And Rodgers knows what that feels like. He's lived it throughout his entire career if not his entire career, certainly since 2010 when he won his first Super Bowl and only Super Bowl, that that's the standard. So anything short of that, uh, this isn't breaking news, anything short of a Super Bowl for the Jets is going to be viewed as as a disappointment and, and as it should be when you go out and you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback and what they have as a football team. Now, does it work out like that? Most of the time it does not. But as you mentioned, we, we've seen it from Peyton. We've seen it recently with Tom Brady and even with Matthew Stafford. So uh, the precedent has been set and now that's the bar. Well, I, first of all, I appreciate you breaking news on the podcast there, Troy. Anything short of a Super Bowl for the Jets is a disappointment. Breaking news. That's good. If the New York Post wants to put that in a headline tomorrow, you just want it, clicks. Right? Let's go. I, I played this podcast game. I, I know how this goes. It's all about downloads. And however you can monetize it. I know how this works, Adam. But but the one guy truly has changed everything about that team. He's changed, it seems like, the culture. He's changed the aura around them. He's changed the expectations. The Jets have been a losing organization. Their fans expect the worst. And it now feels like that fan base, that organization, is more hopeful than I can ever remember it being at any point because of one guy. I agree. I, I totally agree. I, I think, but that that's the importance of that position. Something that Troy reminds me of on a weekly basis. Uh, we're not talking about a, how about this, Troy, a three technique defensive tackle. Yeah, there we're, you th- go. we're talking about a quarterback. 
<laughs> we're talking about the guy that's at the controls. And I, and and you can't put, you know, you fall in love with all these players and even guys that get cut when you watch hard knocks. But I, I think what you have to come away uh, with after watching that, and, and I just caught up actually right before we hopped on, um, there there's a leadership element there. There's almost like a, a coach element that, that's there with Aaron now. I have no idea. If that's how it was uh, at the end of his time there in Green Bay, I just see a guy who's won four league MVPs and who has won a Super Bowl completely invested in reminding everybody and showing everybody how great he is. So, yeah, I mean, you can say that it's it's the one guy that's changed the entire uh, atmosphere around this team. But I think it's been more than just what he's done on the field. I, you know, whether it's Mekhi Becton and him putting his arm around him and then finding maybe their right tackle uh, for the year with, with that young man finally hoping to be healthy or, you know, him giving some money back uh, so that they can sign the likes of a Dalvin cook. Uh, all of these things happening on offense that go along with a top five defense uh, is, is pretty exciting for the jets. So I, I yeah, I, I think he has changed all that. Just one guy. People matter. I mean, they, it's, it's real simple. People matter uh, in business. They matter in athletics. And when you have great coaching, it matters. And when you have great players, it matters, especially at that position. That, As, as we've seen in Hard Knocks, the impact that a guy at that position that has leadership abilities and the kind of talent that he has, it raises the level of play of everyone around him. So, you know, injuries obviously factor into this. That goes without saying. But it's a really good team. The, the offensive line is going to be a big part of this, uh, how they hold up. And if they are able to do that, uh, there's enough on both sides of the ball that they stack up favorably against anybody they'll play all year. Now, Aaron's mentioned over the years that he really enjoys his production meetings with you. Now, you get to meet with a lot of people, and it's nice to know that you guys are on talking terms. I'll... That's very commendable, but I'm just curious what it is about him and you guys. Like, is it unique with him or is it that way with many people? Is there a special relationship that you have with him? I, 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 I welcome tips there, but I'm just curious to know what it is that makes you guys connect and jive the way you do. Well, I, I think you and I, Troy and I are di- after different things than, than you are. And, and that's your job is to, to break news and to be more of a journalist. I got myself in trouble years ago on, on an HBO show when I, I said I don't consider myself a journalist in, in the strict sense of the word. I'm not there breaking stories. And so when we go there, a lot of these players and you know, Troy talks about the end of his time with the Cowboys uh, with Pat and John, and it is almost like therapy for some of these guys to to come in, and I think it applies to Aaron. I think it applied to Brett Favre before him. There were times where Brett was like, guys, we, Brett, we got to go. Like, we're, we, we, can't, we can't keep talking here. This is taking forever. And that's just the – I think they enjoy talking about – you know, just the state of the team, where they are mentally, physically, you know, who around him he can trust. But he's not the only guy. Brady's been great that way over the yeah. years. There, there's usually a go-to player or coach in every organization that when they sit down in that room or they get on that conference call with us, you're going to get the real story. And they know that we're not there going, Oh, player X thinks player Y stinks, and we're going to go out and say that. They know that that, that we're not going to burn them on that. So you have to be smart about it's more stuff to to form your own opinions around mm-hmm. than it is to go. Hey, we learned this in our meeting. Don't look for Aaron Rodgers to throw to whatever receiver he doesn't trust him. But but we know who's on that list, and and it forms what you say and. And how right. you look at the game? It's relationship based, and and when you know when we cover a game, we've been doing it a long time. We've been around these guys. You know, we've been covering Aaron Rodgers since he came into the league. You know, and then when he took over after three years. So those relationships are built, and they're built on trust and respect. And I think that you know, especially as it relates to quarterbacks, but I think it's true of all positions. I think they understand the way we go about doing a game. It's not to say that that I'm not critical. Some would some would maybe say I'm overly critical at times. And and I am when I feel like it warrants it, but I have great respect for the people who do it. And, and especially the quarterbacks, because I know how hard the position is. 
And for us, when we meet with them, it, it's all information gathering. And like Joe said, we, we gather the information so we can right. best present it to the, to the viewing audience uh, and, uh, and give them a little bit of an inside look as to what's happening. Now, when you're sitting in that booth on that Monday night and DeMar Hamlin walks out on the field and you see him, Troy, what will be going through your mind at that moment? You know, it's a fair question, and, and quite honestly, Adam, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not certain. Uh, I will say this, that I've done some interviews of, around DeMar's situation. Uh, we met him when we were in New York for the upfronts. Uh, we had not met him before. He came out on stage with us, which I thought was a really cool moment. But it, there's something about that night and what he has been through, and I think it's more re- a reflection of, of who he is as a man. Uh, because we got a chance to see a young man who really has kind of taken it and done a lot of good things uh, with the visibility and the platform that he has. And I find myself, when I talk about him a lot, I, I find myself getting emotional about it. I, 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 I feel some, some real emotion well up inside me. And so, you know, how that might feel or how I might be, uh, I, I'm not sure. I think it's going to be an amazing moment. Uh, when he takes the field, whenever that is, if it's on defense or special teams or whatever it is. And the fact that he's going to play football again, I probably speak for the country because everybody followed his story uh, that it's nothing short of miraculous. It's funny that Troy says that he he gets emotional when he talks about it. When I saw him, I didn't expect to feel the emotion well up, but I, I, I felt I felt choked up when I saw him and I, and I, I don't know if it was just being there in the stadium that night, seeing that all unfold and going from, Oh my God, this guy just got hit really hard to it's, it's looks like one of these head situations, head trauma to this is something I've never seen before on, on an NFL field. And and we're away in break and Troy and I are up there watching and they're working on him feverishly to, as we know now, revive him. Um, yeah, th- this is this is a special guy. This is somebody that um, I- I'm, I'm blown away by his intestinal fortitude to want to get back out there again. But, you know, none of us have been there. And, and I think he has something to prove to himself. And he doesn't want that moment to be the end of his playing career. And he's back and he's made the roster. Uh, he faced competition in camp to make the roster. This is not one of those feel-good stories alone. This is a guy Sean McDermott uh, believes can help their team win in 2023 so he can still play, and and my hat's off to him. But I, I'm the same as Troy. I, I saw him that day when we were in New York at the upfronts, yeah. and it just it kind of took my breath away just seeing him because we were there watching that all unfold you were there in the studio that night and it was such a it was something that obviously nobody had ever been through at least in our crew and I don't ever want to go through that again and I sure as heck know that uh, DeMar doesn't want to go anywhere near that again what were the conversations like with him what do you remember about them from your interaction with him in May at the upfronts in New York City well he knew he you know he knew we were there. He knew that we were the guys up there in the booth that night. And and I'm not sure if when he took the field that night before that incident happened, if he was aware that Troy Aikman and Joe Buck were calling that game uh, with Lisa Salters. Um, but he knew. So I, I know, I know a lot about his story because, you know, we've all read since, since then, uh, what he's been able to do with with uh, the charitable arm of of his life and and the money that he's been able to raise, but I don't I don't know that he wants to revisit it time and time again. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he wants to talk about that that specific night. I think he's more focused on the now and looking forward. Um, but uh, the fact that he you know it, he gave us a hug and and so it let me right. know that he was aware that we were there that night and and we kind of guided uh, a viewing public through those crazy, awful moments. Both of you are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame for your broadcasting. Troy's a player, too. Uh, or, or, excuse me. Troy's in the, for a player. Joe's in for broadcasting. Right? Both of you in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Have either of you encountered an incident like that in your careers 
that is more vivid, more traumatic, more memorable than that Monday night game in Cincinnati? No. And um, I'll, I'll answer that in two parts. One is to go back to what you said is the conversation with DeMar wasn't so much about us being there that night and what he endured. Uh, it, it, from, my, from my point of view, is really just to reiterate to him what an impressive young man he is and what he's done. Uh, as Joe mentioned, the amount of money that came in to his foundation and what he has done with that is, is amazing. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people, including myself, I'm not sure how I would have handled it, you know, but he's, he's, he's been such a, an incredible young man and, and how he's gone about things ever since with his visibility. That, that was really what I wanted to convey to him. And I'm a fan, as you can tell, I mean, I'm really pulling for him. Secondly, uh, to kind of put a bookend on, on that conversation, I've been, and I've told Joe this, I, I've been around Joe. When you work together for 21, 22 years, there's a lot of great games, a lot of great moments that we have called and that he has called. He's the voice of those moments, NFC championship games, Super Bowls, yeah. you know, big regular season, whatever it is. I mean, you look up the, the biggest moments in sports in the NFL over the last two decades, Joe Buck's voice is behind those. And yet that night, I, I, I thought it was his finest hour. I thought he was amazing. There was, there's, there's no, there's no roadmap for that. And for him to navigate really tricky waters, not knowing how long we were going to be on the air, there was no information coming and it went from a sports cast to a newscast. And so all of America was tuned in to get updates on how this young man was doing. And it was up to Joe and, and Lisa Salters to essentially do that. And I couldn't be more proud of Joe. Uh, as my longtime partner or Lisa and, and really the network overall, I thought from top to bottom and Bob Iger was involved in that as well. Uh, but from top to bottom, I just thought everybody did an incredible job and was really proud of, of what was done in a very uh, difficult situation. Yeah, I, and 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 Adam, I mean, as you said, we're doing this game on 9-11. I, 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 I think when when these moments you know the answer is no i've ne- i've never been a part of anything that that is anywhere close to that acute in that moment of somebody that was you know struggling to breathe and live um but it it did remind me of of when a sporting event kind of transcends sports and it's it's more about life and i think about 911 and i think about being in yankee stadium and i think about you know, prior to game three, President Bush walking out into the middle of that diamond and, and taking a baseball. Little did we know in the booth that he'd been warming up with Derek Jeter and Jeter had said to him, hey, don't stand in front of the mound. You get up on the rubber and throw a real pitch. And and not only did he throw a real pitch, he threw a real pitch and threw a strike. And it was <laughs> it was as powerful a moment um, as, as I have ever seen in a stadium. It, it wasn't somebody hoisting a trophy it, it was uh and politics were kind of set aside everything everybody was pulling it felt like on the same team at that moment and there we are in the bronx you know so close uh to where the world trade center uh you know once once stood those towers and it was just it was breathtaking um and and that's that that was breathtaking on a powerful side and and the damar Hamlin situation was breathtaking on on the scary side and and thank God that Demar Hamlin story has had the turnaround and and the uplifting moments that that that's had since. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 
Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, as we embark also on another season, no Tom Brady, which I believe would be the first time with you as a broadcasting team that he hasn't been on the field. So it must be very strange to look over a schedule and not see Tom Brady on the schedule for the upcoming season. And I'm just curious if he's reached out to either of you or either of you had any conversations with him about tips it will take for him to succeed in broadcasting when he intends to start next year. I've, I've messaged with him uh, going back to when he made the announcement that he'd be going to work for Fox. And, and uh, as I have with others that have gotten into this business, just said to him anything I can do to help. And, you know, he said he, he would be reaching out when the time comes. He's, he's been enjoying a, a nice little break. So uh, that'll continue. He'll get a chance to kind of watch how it's done and, and see what he can learn. But uh, yeah, I look forward to when he does it. You know, there's a wealth of knowledge there and there's no doubt in my mind, I've said it many times, there's no doubt in my mind that, that he'll be successful uh, because, you know, in this business, I, I just think you, there's no substitute for putting in the work and putting in the time and you don't accomplish what he did as a player without doing that and he'll he's done it and everything he's done in his life so he'll continue to do it and it'll give him a chance and i think he'll be fantastic yeah kind of the same answer adam i I saw him at an event in new york that uh, a mutual friend of ours brought me to a guy named kelly james and and he was performing there that night tom was speaking there that night uh i saw him i talked to him for quite a while before the event started and and i had already had another mutual friend kind of bridge the the, the two sides and say, and I said to him then, I said, anything I can ever do, if you ever want to lean on somebody outside of Fox, outside of, you want to get an opinion outside of the people that you're going to be working with in your production group and Kevin Burkhardt. And, and I, I assume if, you know, if, and when this comes to pass, I'm there and, and I'll give him anything that, that I can give him and any help that, that he would ask for, I just remember the last time, you know, we did his last game, which was the playoff game against Dallas in Tampa last year, which seems like a lifetime ago. But uh, as we hung up on our conference call, uh, we were kind of joking around. I said, oh, I can't, I bet you can't wait to do these from the other side, these production calls. And you can be talking to the quarterback of the Falcons someday and and get his innermost thoughts on how they're going to win that game. He goes, oh, yeah, it kind it kind of stopped. And he said, I'm going to be leaning on you two guys to figure out the next chapter and how I do this stuff. So I think he's cast a wide net. I think that's the smart way to do it. Um, you don't know what it's all about until you do it, until the red light goes on and you're under the gun to try to come up with something, you know, is Troy so good at and Chris is so good at, uh, you know, play happens. What do you want to dissect? How do you get into it? What words do you use? Where are you looking during the play? just small things. How do you, you know, how do you get through a replay? It becomes, you know, these guys are also talented, smart. They know the game, but it goes from being interviewed about the game and about performance and about expectation to being the one initiating that. And, you know, he's not, he can't go in thinking that Kevin's going to tee him up on everything. 
you just got to jump in there and do it. And so that's the, that's the, uh, you know, the transition that has to happen. And, and like I told him then, and I, I tell him anytime, whatever I can do to help, I will. But that gets me thinking, right? Because he'll be watching these quarterbacks play and none of them virtually will play as well as he did. And Troy, that had to be something similar for you. When you go in and watch these guys, 99.5% of them are not going to be able to play to the level you did or be as effective. What is that like watching quarterbacks make plays that sometimes leave you shaking your head, as we may see this season with a lot of young quarterbacks across the league? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think every quarterback who's who's left the game, uh, you know, you think about Dan Marino and John Elway and Jim Kelly and Warren Moon, the list goes on and on, but I think there's obviously those those feelings. I, I for me, when I left the game, I was done. I mean, I knew I was done, even though there was a chance later in retirement to come back and play. But I was I was emotionally spent uh, when I retired, and so I never I missed the big games. Um, and I think that's what all players, especially the great players, I think that's what they miss. I think that's what Tom's going to miss. You miss the locker room, you miss the relationships, but you really miss, he's going to miss not playing in those playoff games, the ones that really mattered that he was so successful in. And of course uh, the Super Bowls, but you know, there's still speculation that maybe he comes back and plays. Maybe he does, but at some point uh, it it was a fine time in your life. There's a lot of memories. Uh, You carry those with you and then you move on. Uh, so I know I don't ever think it's a matter of thinking, oh, man, uh, I could do what he's doing and do it better than he's doing. Um, I, I don't think that factors into it. I don't think many guys think that way. Well, who who gave you the opportunity to come back and play once you were retired, Troy? Uh, I had a chance to uh, initially and I was going to do it, quite honestly. I was going to come back. The Dolphins were 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 looking at me and Dave Wanstead was the head coach. Norv Turner was the offensive coordinator and. I had trained that offseason prepared to come back and play. And they felt that they were a quarterback away from, you know, achieving what they wanted to. And uh, so I was going to do it. I thought, well, you know, I'll give it a shot. And uh, and Rick Spillman was the general manager. And, and he ultimately was the one, I believe, that decided not to not to sign me, which which was probably a, a good thing from their perspective. And it was a great thing from my perspective because they, they weren't a quarterback away. I think they won six games that year. They were, they were not very good. And, uh, and it all worked out just fine. I wouldn't have let them leave. Yeah. So, so you would have chosen Dave Wanstead over Joe Buck. Wow. Well, I, I don't like the way you phrase that, but um, I, I, I would hope <laughs> I would hope that I would be able to come back, but that's the you know that's the part of it as well that that you know I did know it was not an easy decision because you've got a great job and and you don't just leave and then just come right back to it um and as you know these these network jobs like this they're hard to come by uh so yeah it's a yeah. it's something that never happened. I'm glad it didn't and uh you know, here we are talking to you on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to get your thoughts, Troy, on the Dallas Cowboys trading for Trey Lance. There's been a lot of conversation about that move. What are your thoughts about it? Uh, I think it, I thought it made sense. I, I've seen some people that were uh, maybe a little critical, feeling like there's maybe some other needs that Dallas has. But uh, now how that how it got communicated to Dak, I've seen various reports. I, I don't know what's accurate and what's not accurate. But as far as the decision to actually trade for Trey Lance, I think that they've done, first of all, I think Will McClay's done an amazing job with that roster over the last several years. I mean, they have hit on players. What he did this year in bringing in uh, Brandon Cooks, who I have loved since he came into the league, and then Stephon Gilmore, a former defensive MVP in the league, I, and not have to give up a lot, I, I think was really smart. And they, they're better for it. And to be able to bring in a guy like Trey Lance, uh, who was the third overall pick for a fourth-round pick, and just take a chance on him and say, hey, who knows? You know, maybe, you know, does that give him leverage in a negotiation against Dak? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, so Trey has to prove that he can play. 
But I think for Dallas making that trade, uh, I, I just thought for such little risk, why not? And before I ask Joe about the transition from Sunday afternoons to Monday nights, Troy, did Jerry Jones back in the day come to you and let you know that the team was making moves when they did, like trading for a quarterback? Uh, he did. Yeah, there, Jimmy Johnson didn't always do that. But but I will say, Jerry Jones, uh, we never <laughs> we never picked up a quarterback uh, without – without at least me being notified. I, I didn't sign off on it. I, I didn't have veto power, but uh, I was notified before anything was done. So there have been some changes that have been made, because I don't think Dak did know in advance of that. Uh, well, that's what it sounds like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, uh, as we look back in the transition from Sunday afternoons to Monday nights, what stood out about your first year at ESPN and the transition from Sunday afternoons on Fox to Monday nights on ESPN? Uh, well, outside of the graphics that had a lot of neon in them, uh, and, uh, us having like 19 Colts games, the second half of the year last year, uh, it's all the same, you know, I, the beauty of what we ended up doing was picking up our booth for the most part and moving it over to ESPN. So as far as our familiarity and I mean I have the same stack guy the same uh spotter the obviously Troy Troy's got his guy we we it's it it all felt very familiar and and like we said I think last year and it proved to be the case and I think true was we had done those Thursday night games so you go from doing the Sunday games where you're one of a bunch of games that are happening to a standalone night you know all eyes of the league are on that game that you're doing and being able to do those Thursday night games, I think, kind of prepared us for that. But but I, I do look at this schedule, and this is not just uh, banging the drum for the company line. I, I, th- I think our schedule, as we sit here at least at the end of August, beginning of September, looks really, really good. So I, I'm, I'm excited for the matchups we have. We couldn't start better. We couldn't have a, a better tent pole in the middle of our, our uh, schedule with, with, uh, with the Philly – Kansas City Super Bowl rematch. We've got Dallas at the end of the year. We, I mean, there's just there's a lot to like. So I can't wait to dive in. And and doing it on a Monday is is no different really than doing it on a Sunday. And you mentioned the Colts games, right? How about the idea this year that there's flex scheduling on Monday nights later in the season? Well, that's a big thing, and and it's that way for a reason. Now, I mean, there's the other side of it, the fan side of it, but I think people at this point are are able to adjust. Um, and, and I think the way it's set up is, is there will be as much lead time as, as they can give. But I, I do know that the NFL, uh, I think wisely wants to put at least competitive, if not really, really good matchups and standalone windows, as we say in the television business, uh, that that's a huge source of revenue for the national football league. So I, I think it's big for our network. I, I I don't expect it to be used a lot, but I I know it's there. It's it's kind of a in case of emergency, break glass kind of a thing. And and like Troy said with an earlier answer, all of these matchups are only dependent on on health. And and when a team either doesn't perform or has a big player or two out, and then they don't perform because of it, you can you can at least shift a little bit and and get a different matchup. It's to avoid the types of scenarios that came up last year where there are multiple Colts games in December. That's not going to happen again. Well, this year. I, and, and, and to be honest, you know, what do we know? Troy was saying it before the season started. I was saying it. We both thought the Colts were going to be really good. It just, it just didn't happen for, for a number of, of different reasons. But, uh, you know, you don't know until you get in and, and start chewing through that schedule who's going to be what we thought they were going to be. Uh, and and uh, we'll we'll all find out together. Well, let me say this. I've loved having you guys as teammates. You guys have done a tremendous job through the years, again at ESPN, and it's an honor to get to work with you and to occasionally be on site with you on Monday nights. I don't get to see you very much, but knowing that you're there is a tremendous thing. And uh, as I said to Joel last year and Troy before we started today, I want to thank you guys for upgrading our hotels on the road as well when we do get to travel. That's a great, great thing for the upcoming season and in future seasons as well. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, I really always enjoy the time with you. You're the best at what you do, and uh, 
great to be your teammate as well. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's it's great to uh, it's great to hang our hats at ESPN. We've had nothing but a great time. Can't wait to get going and uh, can't wait to continue working with you, buddy. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you, man, for the time today. Appreciate it. We'll see you in New York for the Monday night opener, September 11th, Buffalo at the New York Jets. Can't wait. Can't wait. And there is the great Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. And we mentioned during our conversation with them that flex scheduling for the very first time will be a part of Monday Night Football. And that will happen from weeks 12 to week 17. So anytime ESPN has an unappealing, unattractive game from week 12 through week 17, the NFL will have the ability to give advance notice to flex it out. And that's going to make a huge difference for Monday Night Football, for people watching Monday Night Football. We're not going to have the Colts versus whoever in December when that game doesn't mean anything this year. All games will mean something this year. Also want to say this past Sunday, it was like the end of a summer vacation. Woke up Sunday morning thinking this is the last free Sunday until mid-February. February 18th, but who's counting, right? So didn't have to wake up at 4.35 in the morning, got to lay around, got to watch CBS Sunday morning, got to work out, got to enjoy my family, got to read the newspaper, got to hang out and just take it easy on a Sunday, which no longer will be the case. We are done on Sundays. Every Sunday now will revolve around the NFL through the Super Bowl on Sunday, February 11th. And it's like the start of a marathon, right? You're excited about it. You can't wait for it. But there's also a part that you know that it's a long race and there's a lot of work ahead. But everybody is looking forward to the start of this upcoming NFL season. Free Sundays have now come to a close. All right, we want to thank Joe Buck and Troy Aikman for taking time out of their schedules before they come to New York for Monday night's matchup to join us on this podcast today. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott, and you, the listeners, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. It's here. The football season has arrived. We look forward to it all happening. Enjoy the games this weekend, everybody. We'll be back in this spot next week. Until then, have a great week. Be well and stay safe. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.